to season two, episode one of Coral Kelp and Community. I am so excited to have one of the founders of Bluetopia on the show today. Mallory and I were just discussing snorkeling. How much scuba diving or snorkeling have you done? Uh, in my life? Uh, yeah. Well, I've been um, taught by Julian. So he's my boyfriend, the one who created Bluetopia with me. Um, and I think, um, like in total, I don't know, like 200 dives or something. Uh, but it's been in a, in a long period of time. Uh, I dived a lot uh, in 2018 when we were working in a diving center in Sardinia, in Italy. Uh, we were there for four, four months and diving every day and uh, doing also uh, snorkeling with the clients. Uh, but now we, we don't go anymore. We go maybe once a year um, if we want to film things underwater for our documentaries, but it's uh, it's very rare now. Oh, once a year just doesn't sound like enough. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's fine. We have uh, surfing in close to La Rochelle where we live, so that's okay. a good alternative. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, you need you need a good water alternative. Yes. Um. So. Tell me, how did, is that, is that how Bluetopia started? You, you two met in Sardinia and did scuba and were like, people need to help save the ocean. Tell, 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 tell me the story. Uh, yeah, we met um, before that with Julian. We met in prep school in France. It's like um, two years two-year program uh, where you prepare to enter um, the high the, the higher schools for um, business management uh, and so on so we were doing that in Bordeaux uh, which is a city not too far away from the ocean uh, then I entered the um, management school uh, in Paris Julian stopped because he didn't like the prep school it was too hard for him he was not prepared for that and he wanted to just party <laughs> at 18 years old um, so he stopped and he decided he was going to become a scuba diving instructor uh, he had never dived before but he said one day he woke up and said yes i know what i want to do now i want to be a scuba diving instructor <laughs> so that was crazy and i just continued the the way and entered the the business school did my lessons, um, but from time to time I was going to see um, Julian, and he taught me how to dive. And then we spent a lot, a lot of time in the ocean. Uh, I I've grown up in La Rochelle, so on the Atlantic coast where we live now. Uh, I was doing some surfing before, uh, so I stayed at the surface of the ocean, and then I learned how to dive and uh, breathe under the water so that was an all different worlds that i discovered and yeah we spent a lot of time at the surface under the surface together and we realized it was amazing uh, all the things that the ocean uh, uh, can can show us uh, and all the diversity that there is in the ocean but we didn't really um think what were we doing to preserve this we love to see it but we were not at that time wondering uh, the impact we could have uh, in our daily life 
And I don't really know why, but one day uh, we watched the first documentary, which was a plastic ocean. And we realized that the plastic pollution was a huge problem for the ocean. So we stopped uh, at least uh, the, the more we, we could. Um, we stopped using plastic. Then we watched another documentary, which was Cospiracy, uh, on the impact of uh, farming and eating meats uh, on the, the planets and also the ocean. And we decided we were going to become vegan. And that's how it started. And then we said, OK, we're doing this in our daily life. But if we're the only ones or if we're only people uh, doing this um, in different places, but just in their homes, it's not going to change the world. So we need more people. We need to bring people together show that there are solutions um, and actions that we can take to preserve the ocean. And that's why we started Bluetopia. We just wanted to yeah, bring some optimism and show all the things we could do and yeah, prove to people that things were not all done and that we could uh, change things and preserve what's left in the ocean and in, in that world that we're living on. Yeah, um, that... So that's a really great story. And I feel like it also makes the really good point that like individual actions are great, but if you really want to make an impact, it needs to be collective, right? Like we, we all need to work together because it's a, it's a huge, huge planet and it's a, a huge, huge system. Uh, so, so when you had this realization of, okay, we're doing these things, but we need more people to do it. Uh, what, what was what was the first idea of reaching out like like what got the what got bluetopia moving as like an organization of this is how we're going to reach people yeah the at the beginning we really wanted to tackle plastic pollution it was the first things we were seeing when we were going to the beach when we were diving when we were surfing it was plastics um so it was like an something we didn't even think what are we gonna do it was like a um i don't know how to say it in english it's been a while i haven't um spoken english by the way so it's a good exercise uh but yeah it, it was plastic it was uh, not a question for us um and then we thought okay it's uh two documentaries that uh, changed our minds that made us move so we want to do documentaries as well but we want to uh, make them a bit different than uh, what we've seen. Uh, we wanted something positive uh, with solutions and not only uh, problems and uh, things that would uh, make people depressed and think everything is, is doomed to failure. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we decided plastic and documentary. We, at that time, had never um, used a camera before. So we learned everything on the way and we went um, to Asia and decided to yeah, go to those countries that were um, pointed out uh, in the media uh, as the biggest polluters for plastics. We wanted to show another reality there and for us also uh, be close to the problem, clo closer at least and see what, uh, what it looked like and what was uh, done there to tackle the problem. So that was the first project with Bluetopia and then a lot of things um, followed. 
That is so ambitious to be like, I've never used a camera before, but let's make documentaries. I mean, that's, um, that's, that's really wild to just dive in with both feet. Haha, ha, water metaphor. Um, but like, uh, like, what was was it intimidating to just be like, okay, we're gonna pick up a camera and we're gonna go to the other side of the world? Like, how did it? I mean, you have these business skills, right? Because that's what you went to school for. So you had an idea of probably how to set up, you know, the administrative part of Bluetopia. But then just picking up a camera, how did you even figure out the right camera, like where to go, how to do it? Like, was that really intimidating or was it just exciting? Yeah, I think it was just exciting. Yeah, to be honest, it was not like a big risk for us. Um, I was studying, my parents were helping me with money. So I was in a good situation, you know, it was not um, like I'm leaving everything behind and I don't have any money and I go, I was supported. Uh, and it was the same for Julian. He was diving in structure at the time and he knew that if uh, we were running out of money, um, her mother could help. So that's important to, to precise, I think, because not everyone can do that and uh, have that security, uh, security net behind. Um, but yeah, it was uh, very different from what all my um, friends and partners at schools at school were, were doing. They were all dreaming of a big career in consulting and marketing and finance. And when I arrived in the business school, I just wondered why I spent two years uh, working super hard uh, for those kinds of careers. Uh, it was really not my thing. And it was a Parisian school. So, you know, in France, it's, uh, it's difficult when you arrive from a smaller city, you arrive in Paris with people uh, who have always lived there with um, big ambitions and careers. Um, but I had the chance to discover some people working in impact uh, for, for social or environmental impact. And that's uh, where I realized, okay, I, I'm in a business school, but I can also try to find a way to, uh, to use what I'm learning at the school and, and use it in a good way that makes sense for me. Um, and yeah, then we would just learn uh, in the field by doing uh, all the camera things that we didn't know a thing about. And it was, it was funny, actually, it was, there was no pressure, pressure. Uh, when we started, we didn't even know we, we were going to live from it one day. Uh, it was a small project, the two of us um, going on a, on a trip that made sense and that um, was uh, hopefully going to have an impact, but it was like something really chill and not uh, so, so important that we had to make something uh, amazing. We didn't know what we were going to do, so we just tried it. And we, I think we were thinking, let's see. I don't know. <laughs> Let's just do it. <laughs> I mean, I think that's awesome. Uh, I mean, thank your parents for me because it's awesome that Bluetopia exists and it can be really scary to take a big risk. And so I'm so glad that you both had that opportunity and support knowing that if, if you needed help and completely ran out of money, you have support. It is so important for everyone to support each other doing good things. Um, but that the lack of pressure sometimes 
is really important to the creative process, right? Especially when you're learning because I mean, I went to art school and it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Like sometimes it was great to have a deadline, right? Because it's like, oh God, like I have to figure this out now, right? And, and a lot of amazing art has been made with a deadline. Like people like to think artists are just like, oh, I've been inspired and this thing came up. And it's like, no, like they had a, a grant submission. They had a gallery deadline that, you know, like just like everybody else. And they, and it like forced the creativity, right? They're like, this is what I have. This is when I have to be done, make it work. Um, but there's the flip side of that too, is that you have to have playtime, right? And that, that sounds like what you guys had was you got to go, you got to test out this new passion, this new idea, this new way to communicate with people. And I especially think it's so fantastic that your documentaries focus on solutions because like you said, there's so much doomsday stuff out there and it's it doesn't inspire people. It doesn't motivate people. And so I love that that's something that Bluetopia is doing. Um, what What was the name of your first documentary? The first one in English was The New Convenience because we met um, a woman in Cambodia. She created the first zero waste, zero waste shop um, in the lobby of a hotel. And uh, she told us, uh, you know, it's, it's really convenient to have plastics and to go to the shop and not uh, wonder what we have to bring with us to do our shopping and everything. Um, but would it really be convenient not to have a planet? And that's a sentence that we uh, really kept in our minds. And convenience uh, is really important in Asia when you speak about plastics, because there are all those convenience stores where you can find everything packaged in really small quantities. And so, yeah, it was this word. And we had the, the title in English before translating it in, front, in French. And it sounds better in English, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so that's so interesting to hear about Asia, um, because I I always felt that way when I was living in the United States too. I'm like, wow, like everything here is about convenience, right? Like the individual packaged items, like you were saying in Asia and in the U.S. It's such a car-based life. It's just, you know, drive through everything, drive through coffee, drive through bank. Um, drive through car wash <laughs> like it's all it's all drive through um and yeah like what we think is convenient kind of needs to be flipped on its head a little bit so that sounds like a fantastic documentary <laughs> um so looking back on the journey of uto of utopia of <laughs> hopefully one day oh, I see. That. <laughs> on the journey that we came to and now are in utopia um of Bluetopia, the, the journey, that journey, uh, what was your like favorite moment? Yeah, that's a really hard question. Actually, question. Actually, I have plenty of the wonderful moments that we lived with Bluetopia. Um, I'm not thinking of one precisely, but just the way we always question what we do. Uh, so as I said, with Bluetopia, we started with plastic. We wanted to show solutions to plastic pollution. 
but then we realized, yes, that's one problem uh, that the ocean is facing, but it's not the only one. It's maybe not the most important one. And by reading reports, scientific reports, watching other documentaries and keeping ourselves open to new ways of thinking also, um, we realized that we, as individuals, um, could make a bigger impact with the way we eat and the foods we decide to, to put in our bodies. And we decided to change um, the focus of Bluetopia. And now we're not talking about plastic pollution anymore, at least just uh, some sometimes when it comes to packaging for our food or when it comes to uh, the pollution that is due to the fishing nets uh, that are lost or abandoned in the sea. But yeah, we realized um, through the food we eat, we impact the ocean uh, every day, several times a day. And it's not only about fishing, it's also about farming. It's also about um, how we produce the foods and the fruits and veggies that we eat, uh, how we transport it um, on big uh, boats uh, across the world. So all this um, has impacts on the ocean. And yeah, I love the fact that we uh, were able to question what we were doing at the beginning and change now um, what we're doing, the message we are um, uh, trying to share and spread to the world. So I think that's a, that's a really core value that we have at Bluetopia and I really want to keep it. And maybe in a few years we will uh, do something completely different because, because we'll have new information and realize that other things can impact the ocean more positively than uh, just the food that we eat. Yeah. And speaking of the food that we eat and positive impacts. I saw on your website, there is a recipe booklet. Is it only in French or is it in both French and English? Yes, uh, actually, it's really funny how we, we changed uh, our minds also on the English and French. Uh, when we started, we uh, went to Asia. So for that first project, we uh, took the plane, we went far away, uh, but we realized that we were talking to a French audience. So we were speaking English uh, just from the beginning, uh, but actually mostly French people were reading us. So then we changed and we decided we should uh, just speak French and first try to uh, reach uh, a bigger French audience before uh, going international. Uh, but so at the moment, everything's in French in the website, on the uh, recipe booklet, uh, in our podcast that we launched, because we also have a podcast, which is called Ondine. But maybe uh, for the next uh, project, it's going to be more international. We're actually working on a new project with a new uh, documentary. Uh, so we had the new convenience, the first one. We had another one which is uh, now uh, being distributed in France, which is called From Our Plate to the Ocean. And the third one will be on seaweed and how to include seaweed in our diet. So it's going to be another recipe booklet, by the way, with, uh, with seaweed. But um, this one might be more international. And I, I can say more now because we don't even know what we're going to do as an adventure for the film and how we're going to distribute it. But we're talking to people and to production agencies for documentaries that could help us uh, spread the world in the word uh, in the world. 
That is fantastic. I, uh, listeners may know that I am kind of obsessed with seaweed and restorative ocean farming practices. So I'm super excited about seaweed recipes. <laughs> um, but until until the, the new booklet comes out, I will have to get the French, the current French recipe booklet, and it will help me practice my French. <laughs> yes, if you want to practice your French, it's perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll slowly translate the book. <laughs> um, yeah, I, so... Oh, I'm really, you're going to have to keep me in the loop about the seaweed. Um, I've written quite a, a, a few public, I've written a publication. I got published writing about restorative ocean um, farming. I really, I'm really into it. Are you, do you know if you're going to be including, um, I mean, obviously eating scallops and mussels and oysters isn't vegan, but if they're farmed with uh, seaweed, it's super beneficial to the ocean. So is, is that going to like be a little branch out of the vegan realm or is it, are you thinking about including it or is this just a whole new idea? Yeah, that's an option. Actually, this week we went to the Ile de Ré, so it's, it's a small island close to La Rochelle where oh. we live. Um, and there is one guy um, who's called um, Thomas and he, he owns the... Um, uh, the farm uh, Les Quatre Marais. <laughs> so that's a lot of French. Uh, but he's doing uh, aquaculture, mm -hmm. um, but in a really different way uh, that uses all the um, different levels of the food chain. So he's um, producing seaweeds at the uh, in one uh, of his, um, uh, I don't know how to say it in English. You say bassin in French. You know, in aquaculture, you have different. Um, yeah like different areas areas yeah. Uh, yeah where there is water so there's one with the seaweed another one with oysters that are um, filtering the water and the phytoplankton there is another one with small shrimps uh, that are um, moving the um, the sediments that are in in the uh, at the bottom of the the areas with water and so yeah he's using all those different species uh, that work together to produce seaweed but also uh, different species that you can eat um, so that's uh, yeah even though we don't eat uh, animal products it, it doesn't mean that we're not going to see um, things that are working and that have um, a smaller impact on the on the ocean that's yeah that's fantastic um so does Bluetopia have any upcoming events our listeners should know about? Yeah, for the moment, it's going to be mostly in France. So if you're in France, then uh, you can come and meet us, uh, especially with the um, uh, cinema. We're doing screenings in cinemas um, in the beginning of the year 2024 uh, from January because we have our last version of our documentary from our play to the ocean that we want to show to people and then we're gonna also go to film festivals and try to uh, distribute it on a tv channel or on a platform that you can see it uh, maybe online one day um, but uh, in the in the meantime you can uh, come and watch it in the cinemas. 
and yeah that's the main events we're gonna have uh we're gonna spend a lot of time moving across france to meet the people who are gonna come and see the documentary oh that is awesome and i will include a link to your website on the show notes so that if people are in france and they want to see if they can watch a documentary near them they'll be able to access that information. <laughs> yes, and we're we actually translating uh, the, the movie in Spanish and in English uh, so that there can um, uh, be some other screenings in other countries, so in Spain, in Latin America, and in English-speaking uh, countries. So it's also an option if you really want to see it and you're not uh, in France, you're in another country, you can uh, just contact us through the website and we'll explain you how to organize a screening in your city, in your favorite cafe or whatever, in your cinema, if you want to. That is awesome. That sounds fantastic. That would be great also as, um, as like a school event at universities, I think. Yes, definitely. We have, um, so I didn't say it, but with Brutopiana, we have a mission, which is encourage people to act and preserve the oceans through the food we eat. And to do that, we have three main pillars. Uh, the first one is Inspire with the film documentary with photo exhibitions as well. Then we have another one, which is Educate. And that's where we go to schools and speak to young people uh, to like uh, try to have um, ambassadors for the ocean that are formed and the, who can um, yeah understand all the what's all the all the impacts that we have as individuals and everything that we can do to preserve the ocean through the food we eat and then we have a third uh, pillar which is uh, tech action with with the recipe booklets and um, culinary workshops as well that we're doing in schools uh, in businesses in public collectivities as well in France. That is so fantastic. I love that you're doing culinary workshops as well because a lot of people want to learn how to cook but like aren't really sure and now they now they can have their cooking also be like part of their activism. <laughs> that's such a that's so fun. <laughs> yes, definitely. And we think uh, if you like it's really difficult to convince people with arguments, scientific data and everything, and they need to be convinced by uh, what they eat. It has to be good. And so if you don't teach them how to cook uh, something good, which uh, has no animal product, for example, then it's going to be really hard for them to change. Uh, but this culinary workshops or the um, recipe booklets, they work really well because uh, yeah, it's, it's just good. And if people like it, it's easier to change. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, um, it's surprisingly hard to uh, change people's minds just with facts, which I think a lot of people assume it's that easy, like, oh, well, if people have all of the information, then they'll make, you know, the best decision for themselves and the greater good. But uh, I took an environmental decision-making class um, and it turns out that's not how people make decisions. And I read some studies recently that showed uh, like neuroscientists and neurosurgeons were essentially poking around in people's brains. It was very strange. Um, but they found that we make decisions based off of like 
our emotions and our gut reactions. And then we wrap our logical, rational mind around that. And so it's really important to like look at something from all angles. Like these are the moral reasons, the emotional reasons why we should behave in a certain way. And it's also logical, you know? Um, so that's, yeah. And breaking bread together is a really good way to unite people. And yeah, it's fantastic. Um, during COVID, I dove into a lot of vegan cooking because I actually had the time to do the research, which is also challenging for a lot of people, which is why I think the recipe booklet is so great because it's just it's right there. Here's here's recipes. Um, and it was really fantastic. There's you can do so much. You can do so much in terms of flavor. Um, I, yeah. I think vegan food gets kind of a bad reputation for not having any flavor, but that is not true. <laughs> yeah, people think we're just eating salads and grains, <laughs> but it's not true. And actually, we always um, repeat with Julian uh, from the day we became vegan, we discovered so many ingredients that we didn't have before in our diet. And it's crazy how diverse our plates can be now uh, versus how they were before uh, we became vegan. And yeah, there's seaweed. We didn't even know about seaweed before. There's tofu. There's, uh, I don't know, lentils. Uh, there's uh, so many things that you do not necessarily eat when you grow up in a family that have that has a traditional uh, way of cooking and eating and you're just in your habits you know you you have a piece of meat or a piece of uh, fish and then the things that go around uh, but it's uh, it can can be really powerful with only plants actually yeah yeah i definitely also feel like it upped my cooking game, like I started to have a lot more fun in the kitchen. And, you know, I was I had to look for different flavor profiles. And that was really exciting and really fun. And I loved it. Um, still do still cook those meals all the time. <laughs> uh, well, is there anything else you would like to tell people about Bluetopia? Um, how they can uh, be involved do you need any volunteers yeah well we were talking about the documentaries and how people can help screen the movie in their country and their city it's really important for us to be able to rely on volunteers that share the work that we do because we are a re really small team uh, even though it's uh, it's growing now um, but we cannot do everything just with the uh, three four even six people uh, so um, in France, for the first version of the um, documentary that we're now screening, we had more than a hundred volunteers who um, organized screenings in the city, uh, in the cinema, in their favorite restaurants, uh, sometimes even in their home with the people that were living with them. So um, that's how we can reach more people. So if if you're listening and you want to to see uh, and share the documentaries that we're doing, you can you can, and we have everything uh, prepared for you to help you do it uh, in a way that is not so time consuming and that is easy and, and uh, agreeable. 
so yeah that's a first uh, way and if you speak french you can listen to our podcast to learn more about uh, what we are uh, doing and the messages that we share with Bluetopia. learn more about the impacts of the food that we eat um, on the ocean and if you want to practice french it's a, it's a really good way to do it i'm gonna have to add that to my list of how i practice <laughs> What? Oh, and tell everyone, what is your podcast called? It's called Ondine. It's uh, spelled O-N-D-I-N-E. And actually, uh, Ondine are um, uh, like, I don't know how you say that, like goddess of the waters in um, the Germanic uh, mythology. I don't know if you say it like this in English, if it's understandable, but um yeah that's one uh one meaning then ondine means um we we eat like we have dinner uh, in french mm -hmm. and it also um means like the 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 waves of the ocean like the onde onde in french it's the the waves that you can have on the in the ocean it has um a lot of different meanings actually That sounds like the perfect name for your podcast. Yes. <laughs> All right. I'll include a link to the podcast in the show notes as well. Um, and if anybody wants to screen the movie, link to podcast and link to website will be in show notes so that you can help spread Bluetopia's message. Um, thank you so much for joining the show. It has been a pleasure. Thank you, Tara, for receiving me. It was a good exercise to speak English again. <laughs> well, next time I'll have to practice my French. Next <laughs> time you. we do it in French, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect.